When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the KSR Football Podcast presented by Justice Dental. Nick Roush here with Drew Frank on Adam Luckett. Freddie Maggard is out this week. A little uh, scheduling snafu here. We've got another Monday basketball game, kicking this to a matinee edition. But we have to discuss Kentucky's bad, bad loss to South Carolina and uh, the upcoming rivalry game with Louisville. Uh, Drew, um, you were not with us on our road trip from hell, but we, we, we do have to discuss our road trip from hell because I somehow like it. I, I think I might, I think our trip wasn't even as bad as Ryan's. Everybody just went to Columbia and it, it was a disaster, an absolute disaster. Yeah, just uh, not a fun week for me specifically. Uh, Joe Burrow gets hurt, so that just ruins my December and January. Um, Baker, my son, gets sick Thursday night. He's puking all over himself. Um, so that wasn't a good. So my, the weekend, we even sucked before I even got to the weekend. And then we get in the car, go to Columbia. Um, a Jeep starts barreling down at us. I thought I was going to have to hurt, put a hurting on the Jeep's front end. Um, but luckily, it only, it only clips us. And then after that, uh, things still continue to unravel. Even on Friday night, Roush, when we went out to dinner, the service was terrible. Like, oh, it was yeah. just – it was just an awful, awful weekend, and then Saturday happens, and uh, I'm typically, I typically have the approach of never overreact or underreact in a college football season because, you know, that's that's the season is a roller coaster in a lot of ways. Um, the truth is always somewhere in the middle, to me. But that that result was, you know, damning to me. That that was how Kentucky specifically offensively went down there and played. Um, that's just that's just not a good sign. Yeah, and then I, I don't. Know, I think everybody's seen the sprinkler um, snafu. <laughs> um, and so I just this program just feels like it's in a really bad spot right now. And, and now they're having to play a hot Louisville team mm-hmm. who's getting who's catching breaks, but who's capitalizing on opportunities throughout the season and he's about to play in the biggest maybe the biggest game in the program's history uh, next week and so there's there's just not a lot going well for right for this program right now there's a lot of warning signs that keep popping up and it's the program has in general I just don't think they're in a very great place right now we've kind of addressed that on the rap reaction Nick we don't need to hammer that over the head Um, but a critical offseason is coming but first they have to play a game we can hammer it over the head. <laughs> so yeah, I just um, not to be super dreary, but I just I don't feel good about this week. Don't feel good about the current space of this team. Don't feel good about where the program is sitting right now. And so, happy Monday. <laughs> happy Monday. We do need to talk about the the nitty gritty of actually what happened in the loss to South Carolina. But first, a reminder: we are brought to you by our friends at Justice Dental, your one stop shop for all your dental needs. Whether you just need some preventative maintenance, a little cleaning, a little X ray action here or there, or you want a full mouth restoration, veneers, the works, they got it all at either one of their two locations, conveniently located Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. You can visit them online at justicedental.com or you can text or call. Yeah, you can even text them to set up an appointment. 859-543-0700. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson will hook you up at Justice Dental. Drew, at, at what point in the game Saturday night did did you feel like, oh gosh, here it is, this ball game, this one's over, cats aren't going to be able to get it done? You know, oddly, I probably hung on longer than most just because Kentucky was clearly the better football team. Even after each mistake and you know, even getting into the fourth quarter, I'm like, well, eventually they have to win this. That's just how it works. I had given up on some bets I had, but I kept thinking, well, they're going to win the game. 
might win about three, whatever. It might be close. They're going to win. But then when they had when South Carolina actually went up, I, I didn't think they'd score again. Really, uh, I, I thought at that moment uh, it, we were kind of doomed. Really, I'll go back. My my confidence really took a hit when I saw that crowd. So let me rephrase that. I still thought Kentucky would pull it off in the end, but I went in thinking Kentucky would kick their ass, and I just kept. I thought the crowd kind of hurt them in the beginning, and then eventually would get right. And then in the fourth quarter, I started realizing, oh wait, Kentucky's not going to win this at all. So I think I hung on a little longer than most, but I, I, I'm still in shock that they looked like that much better of a football team, and the score was 17 to 14. Kentucky having 14 points. The 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 part of the game for me, I I got a bad feeling when they couldn't get that dagger score because for a lot of it, it felt like if you just got a touchdown to start the third quarter, or if you don't throw the interception in the end zone, or Dane doesn't fumble the ball right before half. I feel like Kentucky was was ready to to put a dagger in him, go up two scores, and that would end the game. But even after Leggett caught his second touchdown, I had uh, the our kind of post game post. I had it written out, and I just here's where the final drive started to go down and win the game. I had it written out. I was just going to fill in the details of how they went down and won it. Um, and then the first play, Leary gets stripped from behind. I mean, you had the ball in the fifty with two minutes and two timeouts. Just, just even if you just got twenty yards, I had confidence in Alex Rayner to go kick it and send us into overtime. I even looked at luck at Ryan shared his prediction before the game that Dane Key would catch the winning touchdown in overtime, and I was like, ah, oh, that SLB is going to get it right. Well, you can't do that when you get strip sacked on a three man rush. And luck at he held that ball up there for five seconds. I mean, he had all the time in the world. Get, throw the damn football. Yeah, Nick, I think you hit on most of it. I really had – there's three sections of this game. Really four if you want to count South Carolina start, but really three that really matter. 10-7, Kentucky has two possessions. They cross South Carolina's 40 each time. Can't even get a field goal kick um, attempted to tie the game. You have the interception in the red zone with Leary. Um, but really before that, that kind of sharing pass. Like, I don't think that's a bad call but it's probably one Cohen wants back. You cannot have a fumble there. Now, you end up converting that first down, but they kind of felt like you kind of got off script a little bit. And then Ramon Jefferson falls on the first down run after the you hit Berrien for a first mm-hmm. down to get a red zone possession. And Leary makes a bad read and a bad throw. So, and then that, and then Genki makes a huge catch. It's going to set you up to at least get a field goal attempt. You fumble there. So you miss that opportunity, and then – you have a chance in a slugfest game. You've got two opportunities with the ball up 14 to 10, and you can't go score. One of those possessions, you're backed up. The other one, you can't get out. You just can't get anything started. And then the next one to me, Nick, was really the midfield. Like you get the ball at midfield, right? You punt it. You end, your defense sets you up. You get it back. You've got to go win that game. At least you've got to get the 20 yards to go attempt a field goal there, mm-hmm. and you get sacked. You have a long – you get an eight-man pressure – or excuse me, at least gets an eight-man coverage, only a three-man rush. Leary just kind of sits there all game. And there's one time where I thought the pass protection really suffered. So that was unfortunate. So there was multiple chances. I don't know if there was ever a smoking gun that I ever thought Kentucky was going to lose, but they just – there was, again, in these games, multiple opportunities ar- arose where Kentucky could have went and won the game. There was about three or four of them, and they, they swung and miss on all of those. And that just keeps happening this year. This team does not know how to go and win games. I mean, it's plain as day. It's happened repeatedly throughout the season, and it happened again Saturday night against South Carolina, and it'll probably happen again Saturday against Louisville if they don't get their blown, doors blown up. They'll probably be in the game in the third and fourth quarter. Louisville will make the plays, and they won't. And that's just that'll be the recap of this season. The, the the problem that I have, Drew, can can this team just, you know, start a game and when the game starts? I know that, that it was a very cool pregame intro. The light show, the sandstorm, it was a lot of fun. But can you not just start the game down two scores? I mean, how, how many times has that happened this year? You have to be awake when the football game starts. Oh, there you go. Oh, still muted. Oh, no. Good. I don't know. 
Yep. No, you're good. There you are. We're on. We're on fire today. Sounds like luck. It's at a construction site. I'm sick over here. I did just pass a COVID test, everyone. So we're good there. Just, just, just like two minutes ago. (laughs) I'm good. But uh, yeah, the starts. If I'm not, if it wasn't three and out, it was close to it. And then an immediate touchdown from South Carolina. It's not even like they were had a little thing going on that first drive. I think they might have one first down. But then South Carolina turns around, scores, and it's ten nothing on their first two play, first two possessions. And yeah, I mean the crowd looked awesome. But I mean it doesn't. It's not go down 10-0 awesome. It's not an excuse to be down 10-0 to a bad South Carolina team that shouldn't even be in the bowl conversation going to this Clemson game. They shouldn't even win against Kentucky. So, yeah, disappointing right out of the gate. And and that's – this team isn't good enough to play from behind. Uh, we, we can now talk about uh, our friend Ray Davis, who uh, was upset after the game. But you, it's hard to, A, keep your running game involved when you're down 10 nothing. B – People talk about how great Ray Davis is, and that was an outstanding touchdown run, but he was pretty bad the rest of the game. Uh, the other 11 carries he had, he was averaging less than three yards per carry. He's been bad the last month. He's 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 not seeing things very well at all. It, he's your best player, and he's been kind of taken out of the equation the last month of the year, Look, it, And to your point that you wrote about in today's Monday huddle, it's like, what what is this offense? What is this team? What is their identity? Because they, they can't really do anything well right now. Yeah, I think like we have to go back to why Liam Cohen was hired in the first place. He was hired one to like fix the recruiting, fix QB recruiting, fix that situation, upgrade the passing game, and to score points in these SEC games that are very winnable that they lose all the time. Uh, A&M in 2018, you lose 20 to 14 in overtime. Last year against Ole Miss, you lose 22 to 19. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, about 2018, the offense just totally craps out against Tennessee. And that was the main reason they lost that game, just because they couldn't score. So really, he was hired to score points and win games. And so that was a situation where, in a year where the defense is labored, right, Defense plays well enough to win. Which we kind of expected, too, going into the season. Defense plays well enough to win. You hold South Carolina, a good South Carolina offense, not a great offense, a really good South Carolina passing game. You hold them to 17 points. (laughs) You know, you got to – against a bad South Carolina defense, you got to go score points and win the game. And then against a not great Mississippi State defense, this offense only scored 17 points. Yeah. Like, I mean, we can talk a lot, and I know a big talking point is Brad White and soft zone defenses and giving up too much, yada, yada, yada. And they've been got a little bit this year, and that is all true. But at the end of the day, you got to score more points than this program is scoring. Like, you got to go and score in in a game like that. You have to go score points. Like, this is the name of the game. Um, And that's the most disappointing part about that game. And it, it keeps happening. I'm not saying it's all, you know, on Cohen. This is kind of a program issue. Yeah. You know, this has been a long time that they just haven't figured it out on offense, and, that, and that's really, really frustrating for them and that they haven't figured it out. This year, Nick and Drew, they invested a lot to fix this offense, a lot of available resources, NIL money for to go out and get a Devin Leary, NIL money to keep a Barry and Brown and a Dan Key on the roster. They went out and got offensive line transfers. Marcus Cox, who's been a solid SEC left tackle. They fixed the offensive line we all thought was the biggest issue. Went out and got a running back who's going to run for 1,000 yards. Has, what, 17 touchdowns this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've done a lot to try to fix and find answers, and they're not producing. And so they're just going to be – they're going to have to, like, go go back to the drawing board, whether it's player, talent, evaluation, development, or scheme or whatever. They have to kind of figure it out. They cannot get in a situation like that. What happened on Saturday – where they cannot win a game because the offense can only score 14 points against a defense that has been one of the worst in the SEC. And like, why does a like I, I why does a three three five keep giving this team problems? You know, yeah. it's been thing with Mississippi State. They South Carolina's been running a three three five for two weeks, and they can't figure it out. Why? Like, they can't just be like you got to figure it out. And yeah. so, just a lot of frustration, I think, with with the offense. And in a year where the defense is struggling, defense played well enough to win a football game on the road. you got to go score. You can't go turn the ball over three times in 11 possessions. Uh, Three of those turnovers happen at midfield or better, like in plus territory. just can't happen. 
What, what's the saying? The whole does not equal the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's yeah, that been identity. Like who? What is their? What is their? When they had Eddie Grant, I knew what their go-to thing was. All right, boys, we're getting in spread formations. We're running inside zone. It was the uh, final right. drive against Vanderbilt in 2018. Just give it to Benny. Yeah. Like, win it right. out. Let him run it 90 yards the other way. Yeah, like you hire Cohen to kind of run the McVay-Shanahan offense, which is wide zone play action. Can't really run wide zone. Haven't ever been able to run it in the three years they've kind of had this offense. And so, what is it? Like, who are your best players? Who are you force-feeding? In the past, all right, 24, save us, which he kind of did against Vanderbilt last year. You remember the 75-yard touchdown in the second half, our fourth quarter, uh, when it looked dire, and then the defense just couldn't get a stop. This year, they don't have a go-to guy. They're trying – looks like, to me, they want it to be Barry and Brown, and it just hasn't happened yet. And they have reluctance to maybe give it to Ray Davis, but I can't blame them because, Nick, like you mentioned, he just hasn't – the results haven't been there for a month's stretch now. And, you know, you you paid David Leary to go out and win you a game. He hasn't won you a game yet. You could argue he lost you the game Saturday. So, there's just just a lot there, man. And it's been a very, very frustrating season. There's not a good football team, and they come up short in these big clutch moments when the game is to be won. It's three times now. Or in the fourth quarter, they just they can't make the plays. I mean, what are they getting outscored in the fourth quarter against Tennessee, Missouri, and South Carolina? It's a lot to little. It's something I'll probably look up, maybe write about this week. But it's been a massive disappointment in the, in that aspect. Drew, if I had a dollar for every time Luckett said throw it to Dane Key uh, while we were sitting in the press box at Williams-Brice <clears throat> Stadium, I would have enough dollars to make a lot of money on Prize Picks. If you haven't downloaded the Prize Picks app, do it now. Sign up, use promo code KSR, and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. It's pretty easy. You pick squares, then you go more or less. You string them together, and you can win big. And, folks, it's feast week, so that means tonight we've got cats in action. We've got Monday night football. We've got Thanksgiving football on Thursday. I put together uh, – I, I like this, uh, the, the little, little, little play I've got tonight. DJ Wagner over ten and a half, more than 10.5 points. Justin Edwards, less than 16.5 points, rebounds, and assists. And Jalen Hurts, less than one rushing, less than a half rushing touchdown. Oh, yeah. Betting against the tush push. Yes, betting against the tush push. And I, I, we're waiting for a DJ or Justin bounce back. And I, I think DJ's going in the right direction. I'm still hesitant on Mr. Edwards, particularly in the rebounding department. That's where he should be able to clean up inside. Don't think he'll do it against St. Joe's. Um, $20 right there can win me 100 by playing at Prize Picks, a fun daily fantasy sports way to get in on the action. It's available in most states. Download the app now, promo code KSR. They'll match your initial deposit 100% up to $100. And I wasn't uh, – the the Barry the on Brown thing, I, I mean, he was there, – there was multiple times where Kentucky has guys pass the defense and – Either Leary gets the ball tipped and he can't get it to him, or Barion just can't go catch the pass. And I'm wondering, I mean, does he does he not catch them in the in practice? Does he not catch? You you can't just keep doing this in the games if they don't work in practice, right? I don't understand how they have these opportunities and he just can't make those plays. Of all the things that's gone wrong with Kentucky football this year, the thing that has me most puzzled is how Barion Brown is just not good at football this year. Is not even close to what he was last year. Well, they targeted him eleven times against South Carolina. I mean, the offense was let's go at Brown. Brown. He had four catches for maybe thirty yards. Yeah, I think he has a combined ten yards against in the games against Alabama and Georgia. Now I know that's Alabama and Georgia, but if that's your offense and he has a combined ten yards, that's a problem. I just I, I'm I'm just mind blown by how it went south. I think back to maybe the Florida game. I, I bring this up every week when. Uh, literally a feather to him in the end zone. Something you'd catch in the parking lot playing with kids, and he, it hits his feet. Like I just, he had so many drops and so many mistakes that seem uncharacteristic. But now it's eleven games in the season. That's just what he was this year. It's truly unbelievable um, how so much was on him and that offense, and uh, it just completely did not work out. To Drew's point, Barry and Brown leads the team in targets with seventy nine. 
Danky has 12 receptions over or Danky and Tavian Robinson both have more explosive receptions 15 plus yards than him. Jordan Dingle has more um, explosive receptions of seven uh, 15 plus yards than him. Um, Barry Brown was six receptions of 15 plus yards is just ahead of Josh Caddis, who has four receptions of 15 plus yards. Like this Caddis, is your the ass kicker isn't exactly an explosive playmaker either. <laughs> this <laughs> you know this is your big play threat. This is the guy you're looking to hit home runs with on vertical deep shots, and it just hasn't happened. Um, Nick, there's two of them in that game. The first one, the Barian, he has to go get the ball. Um, you know, on the replay, he's kind of letting up on that route. Now, I don't yeah. know if that's by design to kind of let up and go, but the ball is there and it's within his grasp. Like, you've got – he's got to track that ball better, in my opinion. Like, you've got to finish with that catch. They throw a back shoulder to him, hits him oh, right in, in between. Right it right dead smack middle of what should be the diamond when you make the catch it and just drops that one. And so, drops have been an issue. He's not, you know, he's not the best route runner, I don't think. But, like, you keep going to him, and it's just – we've played 11 games. And it's – that's a high, high volume of your passing game with very little return. Six receptions of, uh, that game 15-plus yards and that many targets, it's, it's damning. It's not, and it's not like he's just a like, – it's not, you know, dump-offs that you're throwing to him. There are some, but they're they're looking to get him to the ball down the field a lot, and it's just not worked all season, and it's and it's really frustrating. With know, everything Larry has it, missed on some throws, too. It's not just Barry on, but, like, you, your guys you got to make some plays, man. With everything it took to get him to come back, like I said, he built the offense around him when I got the quarterback that you think he needed. If you had told me before the year that he would have three touchdowns right now, I would not believe that. I would think that's – that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy that Barryon Brown would have three touchdowns. But that's just how bad that offense is being. I keep bringing up him. It's a collective unit. Yeah. It's just he, he's been the most surprising to me because I, I I put so much stock into him going into the year. Well, yeah. the guy who's throwing it to him just keeps having SEC performances at fifty percent completion percentage. I mean, what what do you? It, is it accurate? Accuracy was this whole thing. Is it because he's short? Why are they Why are they getting batted down? I, I'm not smart enough to know, but his passes are getting batted down way so, too much. I know that much. Stoops' line was essentially he's not trusting it. I think when in doubt, he tries to muscle his way through it. And, I mean, you saw Will do that at times last year. But now it's uh, th- th- Josh Katz, right? The dude's standing in the end zone. And there wasn't anybody, I mean, within 15 yards. I mean, the complete left side of that defense just just crashed. There was nobody there. He could have waved for a fair catch. He could have gone and hugged and kissed his girlfriend, come back. All he had had to do was just throw it up there. And instead, he tries to get a little piss missile in there, and it just gets bad. It gets wadded out. I don't know why you can't just like, bloop. Toss it in there. I mean, it's it's almost like the um, he's doing the chest pass for throwing in the Dr Pepper thing. Like, no, just just give it a nice soft toss. It's it's not that hard. It's not that difficult. I don't. So what's happening when I keep hearing about man ball didn't touch the ground in practice this week, and then on Saturday all the balls touch the ground. I know it's a it's hard to go from practice to game, but when it's every week, it seems to be doing that. It's, you guys hear it. Oh, Wednesday, man, ball didn't hit the ground. Oh, you should have seen him. Ball, ball didn't hit the ground. Larry hitting everybody. And then you get in the game, and it's like, well, what happened? Did we even see it? To we we saw that it is... that one pass, too, to Tavion in the first touchdown of the year, right, where he put it in beautifully. He had a nice touch and arc on it. So he's done it in games like it, but now that confidence is just completely eroded. To me, Drew, like, why are they just getting smacked in the fourth quarter of these games? When the chips are on the line, they just can't execute. So whose fault is that? Is it the player's fault? Is it the coach's fault? I think that's, a, you know, that's hard to figure out, but I think there's some deserved criticism mm-hmm. for both sides on that. Why can't they figure it out? To your point about Leary, like it's when you have a quarterback as short as him, that's going to be an issue, bad at passes. Like you're going to have a couple. There's just not much you can do about it, but it shouldn't be the volume we're seeing. I think – Offensive line-wise, they're probably not staying locked on as they should 
and defenses know that. So uh, a lot of times they're not even trying to rush the passer. Just get your hands up because if you get in his lane, you've got a really good chance to knock it down. And I think a part of it is on Leary, like Nick and Drew. Your lot, your how you release the ball needs to change. Like the caddis pass, Nick. Like you just gotta loft that up in the air. Yeah. You know you can't you can't get that bad down. He's wide open. You, like you said, you, a, a rainbow would have got to him there. Um, so, it could have been the rookie in the year pitch. You know when he right. throws it, Rosenhausen throws it up thirty feet in the air and he can't hit it. I mean, do that anything. Yeah. So a lot of frustration. Uh, let's let's that. get to the the fourth quarter stuff though, Lucky, because Stoops used the word resolve again today. He's used it a couple of times this year. He clearly made that his mission statement going into the season that this team would have a little bit of guts, a little bit of intestinal fortitude when the going got tough, and they've done the exact opposite. I think that's why he was so upset after the game is because he wanted to make that this team's mission statement, and they just haven't done it. I have my theory, and a lot of it just comes down to the, the leadership of this team, the makeup of this team. You have to go back to the 2019-2020 recruiting classes where the guys in that class, a lot of them have turned out to be fine players, but they aren't the guys that were keeping that locker room together during the peak Mark Stoops run where if if things were going wrong, nobody messed with Benny Snell, right? Drake Jackson. Those guys were tone setters. Those guys were – it was a player-led team. Um, you had leaders on both sides of the ball. The, even going back to 2021, DeAndre Squared, he played a ton of football for you on defense. On the offensive side of the football, nobody questioned. I mean, Wondell Robinson was a transfer, and they've got a lot of transfers on this team. But the guy who replaced Wondell, he quit on the team last year. Wondell, he was the dude who was working harder than anybody out there, right? Will Levis, for all of his faults, nobody could question what he was putting in. Uh, for that team, and I, I just think there's really been uh, a, a vacuum there where the guys who got recruited as high schoolers, uh, you know, maybe they aren't your best players where they can be those vocal leaders, right? Um, and then your transfers, I mean, one of those guys you expect to be a leader is tweeting after the game how he's not a bell cow. I, I think the leadership vacuum is really rearing its ugly head in those those fourth quarter moments like it. Yeah, I definitely think you have a point on that. 2019, Nick, was just a massive miss of a class. You know, and it is what it is. We don't have to kind of revisit it. I think mm-hmm. you've had a situation where seniors on this team haven't played like they needed them to play. And so when your ex- expected leaders aren't playing well, it's probably hard to have leadership. Yeah. Horsey's played, locker. what, five games this year? Right, and then I think you look in J.J. Weaver just hasn't had a good season, right? Mm-hmm. I think you look at the offense, just a lot of transfers on this team. Marcus Cox at left tackle, um, Devin Leary at quarterback, Ray Davis at tailback. It's three of your most important players, and they all weren't on your roster last year, and those are three kind of leadership positions, um, let alone that. And then at, even at center, you've had to make a change midseason. Right, you had to go. Eli Cox wanted him to play guard. It couldn't happen. You had to go shifting back to center. Um, and then I think a lot of in a lot of ways, this offense was built around Dane Key and Barry and Brown. Um, I think Dane Key's played through his slump, and now we're seeing him break out of that. But Barry has struggled really all year, and he hasn't provided the explosive plays um, that you that you've relied on. And then I think a lot of this Nick goes down to. Identity. When the chips are on the line, who are you? Like, where do you go? Like, what do we do? What do we, how do we make a play? I still think Kentucky knows who they are defensively when the game is on the line. Now, you can mm-hmm. argue whether that's effective or not, but they know what they're doing and what they're going to. Offensively, I don't know if that's the case because they're, tr- they're trying to figure out uh, who they are and what they want to be. You can say a lot of things about Mark Stoops, but mm-hmm. – He's tried to evolve. This is not from a lack of not trying to evolve. Like, they've tried to go from this run-heavy operation, a system that couldn't recruit receivers and quarterbacks, and they've shifted to what they are now, and now they're recruiting receivers and quarterbacks. But they have to figure out how to go win games doing that and what it looks like. 
and I think you're seeing some of the unhappiness in that offensive meeting room um, start to leak out. I mean, every Mark Stoops press conference, he refuses to say anything good about the offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> Just I refuses. We, I think we know where that's headed, right? Yeah. It seems like they're probably going to make a staffing change there. But now you're – I think you're seeing guys like Ray Davis tweets out after the game. He's unhappy with maybe how he's being used. Um, we saw Danke's dad and brother tweet out Saturday unhappy. I can't say I disagree with him <laughs> on that. Like, I don't – I. he is your – like, he's the best receiver. I don't understand why – when the game's on the line, why they weren't looking. I mean, I know it's more complicated than that, but you got to get him the football, in my opinion, yeah. in the, some of these big spots. And they and they didn't. Even the fourth down at the end, he was throwing to a covered Tavian Robinson. Um, Devin Leary was. Uh, and so I, I understand the frustration there, but that's not good. If, and it feels like they're losing the locker room two years in a row, Nick. I mean, Mark Stoops kind of admitted that, that what happened, he's not going to let happen again. And to me, that was – people splintering yeah, in that locker yeah. room. Um, and it feels like that's happening again on the offensive side of the ball. And I go back to this, too. The Missouri game, the defense had to run over to the offense, like, during that game and try to, like, give them a pep talk, do, like, in the fourth quarter. Like, that was kind of a sign. Like, what yeah. something's going on over there in that offensive room, it seems like. Um, and Saturday was a very bad sign because that is – that is a defense they should have went and had a good day against, and they yeah. didn't for whatever reason. And so, I mean, a critical December coming up with how they handle this roster management, it's specifically, I think, on the offensive side of the football. Because I think defensively, yeah, they're still yeah. going to have pieces, and they're still recruiting well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right. I mean, I, I know he's not a popular man right now, but I'm still willing to bet Brad White's going to figure it out and they're going to adjust and They'll get back to playing good defense here. But I do worry about the offense because I did, what is their identity? Who do they want to be? And how, it is, how do you cultivate the leadership and all of that out of that? Now, I do, like, the quarterback talent is better. And I do think Cohen is going to go find him another good transfer quarterback. He's proven that he that talent accumulation, uh, he can check that box here. But you got to go out and you got to go, you know, be able to score points against the South Carolina team like that and it's just concerning that it seems like two years in a row that they're losing the locker room and that's not a good sign drew let's um you know we're gonna look past Louisville for right now because i mean it's the governor's cup kentucky wins it that's just it's a day that ends in why um we can discuss it more but um if how, how would you try to find a, a silver lining for this offseason like what is the uh, let's try to fast forward to April and like what what are we what are we selling as like a well they they can do this they can do this well in 2024 that uh, should have should have some folks maybe maybe optimistic I know a lot's going to change between now and then but where, where can you find any sort of positive I'm very flattered you think I would have that answer because I think it's a big problem UK football has to address. I really don't Absolutely. know, and I don't, I don't think they know. I don't think anyone knows. Uh, I mean, we can assume there will be some significant departures. Obviously, you're going to have a new quarterback, new running back. I think you just have to clean up in the portal, but that's what they did last year, and we all bought in and got excited. I was convinced this offense was going to score 35 points a game. I mean, yeah. I was told Larry's the number one transfer quarterback. Ray Davis, I know what he's capable of. Saw some of that. Saw what the receivers did last year. Again, I'm in shock it didn't work. So they do have to go to the portal. But even if they clean house, it's going to be hard to sell that. Like, hey, look at these shiny new toys we got. Because we're all going to be like, yeah, well, the toys last year were pretty broken. So 
I don't know what they do. Like, like I was alluding to, there will be staff changes. But as far as getting optimism back, that is a big problem that I don't know how they're going to solve that next year. Especially the schedule is harder. If anything, yeah. next year is going to be more exciting to not go to Lexington. You, Ole Miss and Austin are like the two selling points next season. Getting away from Kroger Field is probably the two most exciting things on the schedule unless they can do some serious, uh, get some serious acquisitions to, to get people excited for next year. To me, Nick, it's almost like just don't say anything off season because <laughs> there's nothing you can say. People are going to yeah. be PO'd regardless, and you can't really blame them. There's nothing you can really say. Uh, but I think it's very important this year that they are very selective in the transfer market. Yeah. And get yeah. guys that fit what that are going to fit their locker room and are going to fit schematically what they want to do. We can't get, you know, can't get caught up in the transfer portal rankings. I think there was, you know, it's easy to do, right? You know, we see yeah. what Leary accomplished. You see what Davis accomplished. And they're not taking any away from those guys or whatever. But it's going to be very important that they get guys that fit and they get guys that contribute and play. Mm-hmm. You can't I – mean, you're going to hear me say this 100 times over the next month. You cannot afford to get transfers that are not going to play on the team. Because then they're just they're they're just sitting there sucking up a scholarship. Like they have to be. You're better off getting guys from high school and developing them that way than getting transfers and that that aren't going to play. You, you get transfers they need to play and they need to produce on your team almost immediately. Um, and I think there was a thought last year like if we lose a transfer, we need to replace them with a portal guy. I don't think we'll hear them that that'll be the case this year. If they lose a transfer, they're going to want to replace them with a high school guy um, and kind of get back to their old school kind of development in that regard. Which is kind of, um, you know, when John Calipari was at a similar crossroads, he just went back to what worked well, right? Which was recruiting like gangbusters out of the high school ranks. And you're seeing him take a lot of guys this year. This is going to be a good class, particularly defensively, where I am going to end up getting into this season pretty optimistic as long as they can find somebody that's a dude back there at safety. Because um, I think J.Q. Hardaway is going to end up being a pretty good cornerback when it's all said and done. I, I just think that it needs some time to develop. But most importantly, Deion Walker is a – I mean, on the, on, the, on the flip side of the bad tweets, that was a good tweet. You know, the grass isn't always greener. Um, I think when you saw that, your, your response in the car was they need some more Detroit guys. Deion Walker is very much a Mark Stoops football player. Like, he has that sort of – uh, the the way he carries himself is very much like some of the OG guys that really led the way here. And Harrison too, yeah, like they 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 got some like dog, you know, where they're just not gonna they, they don't take no stuff from from people. And so I I think that that defense will have the sort of uh, resolve the the kind of grit that you're looking for. Um, and then but but to get back to where this all started offensively, you just you don't know. I think part of how you fix it is you get Cohen back on the field. You get him around the players because I, I you know, seeing your general at the front of the cavalry charge, I, I think plays a significant role, right? Um, you know, your offensive line, that you might think those guys aren't very good, but you're going to get a lot of them back at least. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I got to stop yeah, myself. <laughs> I know Stoops wants them to play better, but they're improved. And that group yeah. was playing hard with effort. Um, and there was times last year where I questioned the fight of that group, just like when Leary got hit. I don't question Dylan Ray's fight. Like, you can think what you are as a player, but that dude scraps. And yeah. they need more of that. Eli Cox scraps. Marcus Cox scraps. Um, Jeremy Flax has shown resolve this year. Uh, so, Kobe Keenum scraps from what I've seen from him in the past. Um, so I, I think they're getting more of the kind of their, the guys that check, kind of Kentucky offensive lineman boxes, which are, you know, like Logan Stenberg mentality, mm-hmm. uh, to put it in the simplest form, um, Drake Jackson mentality, playing with an edge, that will fight your ass, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I think they're getting back to what, where they need to get there, it, but offensively they just got to. F- kind of figure out Cohen's got to find the right mix for his guys to run his system and who's going to who's going to check those boxes yeah. you know it may it's might have gotten too portal heavy over there yeah right no 
Yeah, like we can we can so, fix anything. The 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 next guys can be the best you know, guy. Then now uh, you're still going to have to go and get a quarterback. Whatever you probably need a running back, uh, but you need some of these guys you've recruited in the last couple classes. You need them to start playing, and you got to get, you know, back to your, your the sophomore class on that defense, like Deion Walker and Max Harrison. Those were kind of the they kind of look like your future captains, right? You're talking yeah, about player yeah. leadership. Those kind of look like guys. So getting Dion back is very, very important. Um, and then, you know, you don't want to have an exodus at receiver. I think that's – when you're looking at transfers, that's kind of the worry part to me. Like, what happens there at receiver? Do you lose just everybody and you're stuck to – that's the scary part to me. You need to get those guys back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if – I mean, I'm talking about Dane and Barryan, obviously. Right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them leave, but you really can't afford to lose two. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't have to play favorites on who we would rather have around, but I think everybody here can uh, understand how we feel about those guys. Um, I want to go back to something um, that you mentioned. Uh, but first, Game Time, the Game Time app, if you haven't used it yet, you can use it to buy tickets to the Governor's Cup Saturday at noon on ABC at the L&N Fed Cred Stadium. Uh Formula artist known as Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. Just go on the Game Time app, scroll through, find your seat. It's it's so simple. It's two two buttons pressed, and boom, the tickets are right there on your phone, easy to use. And when you use promo code KSR, you're gonna get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Tickets are definitely still available there. That that stadium's way too big for that school, um, but something crazy could happen, and that could be a lot of fun. Whether you're going to a game there. Or to Kentucky basketball game. Cats play tonight at home. They play Friday night at home. I know that's a popular game uh, for fans, uh, especially family coming in town for Thanksgiving holidays. It can always be a good time at Rupp Arena. When you use the Game Time app, promo code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Talked about playing with Edge, and uh, they'll fight your ass. Drew, over under three and a half fights Saturday between the Kentucky Wildcats and Louisville fighting Cardinal Birds. Before kickoff, over. Yeah, I'll go over there. Uh, I think um, especially if the football starts going the wrong way and Kentucky's seeing their season go 6-6, six and six, we might really see the Cats try to play a different sport at that moment. Mm-hmm. Hope it doesn't get that point. I hope uh, it's like the God intends and Kentucky's up big. But I think whatever the scoreboard says, there will be uh, extra fisticuffs throughout the game. Um, do we need to have the garbage cans? Um <laughs> I don't know. Um, they drink out of theirs, so they're all in the parking lot. I don't know if they have them inside. That's a good uh, they, point. they already took those measures. Okay. Who's uh? I mean, you know the other coach pretty well. He doesn't seem like a fighter. What assistant? Who's who's locking up? Your Brez is gone. Uh, Clink with his Kane's toast back in the day. He's gone. I don't know if if we'll have anything exciting of the uh, of the adults in the room, but I think the players will give us lots of fun. I've heard some stories about Jeff. I, I I think he would, but you know what? Him and Stoops like each other because they're both I mean. kind of these. Yeah. They they got some some bitch energy about him, you know. Um, yeah. No, I wouldn't want to fight Jeff. I just don't think he's the type that would take it to a football game. He's got more class right. than that. Yeah, um, but it it here's the thing too is that like all of the people who get very upset about the fighting and the you know. I, yeah, it's 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 not good, but I mean, guys, we've been doing this forever. Like in that 2014 game, we heard Charles Walker share on this podcast. I mean, Sue's basically told him to go start a fight before the game, and it got him rattled, and they were able to stay in it. I, I don't know if Kentucky will have that same energy, where they're just going out and starting the fights right away. But I think you need to have some of that, as long as it's not fake. Just hold me back. You know, I, I worry about the fake tough guy kind of energy that we, we've been getting yeah. from this team. You, you, you know? don't want fake tough guy and you don't want actual assault, but I'd much rather have my team fighting than kind of rolling out of bed and going down 10-0 and not having energy out of the gate. I'd rather be worrying about them going too far and being too aggressive than not bringing enough. Yeah, I, I have no idea where this team's mind's at, right? Um, I think we I think Mark Stoops said today we're going to have to work hard this week to get them – ready to play or ready to bounce back. I, I, I don't want to, like, misquote him, but I don't want to get the context wrong there. But uh, I don't know where this team's mind 
is at. And that's what's tricky about this game, the most trickiest part to me. Kentucky's had the mental edge for a while here in this yeah. matchup. And I just don't think they're going to have it this year because where are they at and then where Louisville is at. Um, they made just, it pretty – I think they, that's they, gone now to me, and that's that's concerning. And, and I'm they've made it pretty clear, too, over there. I mean, Jeff's been talking about it since – he got the job about how important it is to beat Kentucky. And today, their running backs coach, uh, male guy, Chris Barclay, he's like, this is our Super Bowl. Um, you know, a, a lot of the – they didn't say that the rest of the season means nothing if we don't win this game, but that's definitely the belief over there. Um, now, can they put it too much on a pedestal and do the whole Rick Patino thing? There's a chance that that, um, that, that is possible. Um, but what you can't do is you can't go and just let them score 14 points in the blink of an eye, right? You can't let the South Carolina game happen. You can't let the Alabama thing happen where it's just bang, bang, bang. You look up and the, the, the scoreboard's already lopsided. Now, if you do that on the other side, though, like it, I think the guys who have seen them in that locker room that have seen Kentucky kick their ass year after year after year, I think some doubt might creep into their minds if Kentucky can go out and punch them in the face early. It's just that what has this team shown us as of late that they can go do that? <laughs> right. Now, that's my point. I do you think, like, in that – there will be some nervous energy in that stadium if that thing starts getting into the third quarter and it's a close game, right? Mm-hmm. But I, that's, what makes us think that Kentucky could take advantage even if that – opportunity presents itself yeah, I think is yeah. part of the problem here um, I think it's a really big week for this offense Louisville's got a good defense and this the huge line of scrimmage advantage Kentucky had is no longer the case in this contest uh, Louisville's defensive line is going to give Kentucky's offensive line some, some problems with just how they play stylistically and Ashton Galati is um, a, a pro um, at defensive end who's Rick wreaked havoc all season and so offensively can you take advantage of that and can, like what Miami's shown if you if you can get out on the perimeter and you can be a little explosive you can go and get chunk plays against this defense but you you got to go do it you got to win some yeah. one-on-ones you got to bounce some runs um can't Kentucky do it I, I just you know well, we'll have to see but after last week like that was embarrassing offensively to me, really the first time all season where I thought it was in an embarrassing offensive performance. Um, so how do they bounce back from that is what I'll be interested to see because uh, everything from, I think, the way they called it to how they acted – or not acted, how they executed uh, to the plan to missing opportunities to land what Freddie would say the kill drive, right? Yeah. They didn't They didn't execute the kill drive even though they had multiple opportunities and even – the defense even gave them two more chances late in the ball game, Nick and they, Nick and Drew, and they still couldn't uh, finish it. And I, you saw it with Cohen, I think, after the game. He was pretty dejected about mm-hmm. how they performed. And so they've got to find a way this week. Uh, because if you go in and your defense holds this Louisville team to 20 points and you lose like 20 to 13, it's going to be yeah. bad, right? Well, if the game, if it's winnable, if the defense plays well and they, they hold Louisville under 24, you need to go win this game. And the defense is capable of doing it because, Drew, the one thing I've learned about watching Jack Plummer over the years is if if you let him pass it long enough, he's going to throw it to you. Um, and Kentucky, they've shown a good ability to stop traditional runs. So uh, the Cats, they can create some turnovers with Plummer in the passing game. Uh, but they almost feel like they need to, right? We need another Max Harrison pick six to be able to give this offense a leg up because they have been so bad as of late. Yeah, and I know this Louisville team has better playmakers than they've had since Kentucky's kind of owned the rivalry. But in there a little of this part where when you just see them line up, it's been such an obvious difference the last few years. I think Louisville came in with seven wins each time. They're excited. And then Kentucky just whooped them both times. Louisville's improved. But is there still the chance of the SEC-ACC gap when they line up that we've seen the last four or five years? Yeah, yeah. That Well, because if, if you look at it, that they have upgraded their playmakers, but Jamari Thrash has got a hand injury. Jamar Jordan hasn't been healthy in a month. They've, they've got a backup kicker in. They're, they're, their kickers are rotating door. Like There are some cracks there in the armor. And uh, but, but to your point, though, the, the one difference is that 
in the past, Kentucky would just bully them at the line of scrimmage. And to Luckett's yeah. point, this this defensive line for Louisville is pretty solid. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna get yeah. some pressure after yeah. Leary. Yeah, and on their O line, Nick, they've got like four super seniors, so they got like four twenty five year olds playing on the offensive line. That has helped things. I mean, I was twenty two when I was covering Brian Hudson's recruitment. I mean, and he's still playing college football. <laughs> right, and the, the guy they got playing at left tackle, Willie Tyler, is up there too. He's like, he's up there as a super senior. The other pr- tackle, Eric Miller, I believe is his name, he's from Purdue, um, and he has been around for college football forever. But to the point about the matchup, what Louisville wants to do is run the football, the traditional running game. Mm-hmm. Kentucky stops that. Deion Walker and the crew. I think if they stop that and Jack Jack Plummer beat them with a banged up thrash, I mean, and if you're not Miami and you're just not leaving tight ends wide open, okay, I think into you're going I think the defense like this Florida or excuse me, Louisville is built like Florida and South Carolina more offensively. Um, they're better at other things than those two are. But Kentucky was able to take the run away in both those games and make those quarterbacks beat them. I think Louisville's a better running offense than both those teams probably. Um, but I don't think Plummer's as good as Mertz or as Rattler, right? And so – and I don't know if – Thrash is good, but I don't know. He's, is he better than Xavier Leggett? No. Is he better than Ricky Pearsall? Maybe. Um, but I don't know. But I think the defense is going to be able to – get some stops and play good enough to win this game. Um, can, offensively, can't Kentucky do it, right? Yeah. You know, in Louisville, they, if the three and outs start piling up, then where does Kentucky's confidence go in a game if that starts happening? Because we've seen them sputter out all year, and Louisville will get some three and outs. Um, and I don't – do you have confidence that Kentucky will be able to hit, hit the explosive plays they'll probably need to win this game? I don't. And I think that's kind of where we're at entering this matchup. We're going to talk about it more on 11 personnel later this week, but I do need to finish by bringing up something that Nick brought up in the chat. Um, we can't let Joey Gatewood beat us. I mean, come on. Joey Gatewood, that guy? I mean, I just I, – I can't believe he's catching – I mean, Drew, why didn't he just do this three years ago and he would be an NFL tight end? Instead, he waited until now, and he's actually, he's actually kind of good for them playing tight end, and it is – it's something. Even though I knew he was on their roster, I just assumed he was on the end of the bench somewhere just trying to see how many universities he could play for. But I watched that Miami game. I saw at least three catches, maybe four. Yeah. Uh, some for big yardage. I was like, this guy's actually playing. We have to run into Joey Gatewood next week? So like Nick <laughs> said, that's a little element uh, I wasn't even considering until I watched that Miami oh. game that uh, – Got a former cat to worry about. I'm not worried about him too much, but that was an odd sighting watching him play for the U, catching I mean, passes, wearing number 84 or whatever it is. We can't let Joey Gatewood have a Marvin Stone moment. We just can't. Come on. No. Enough. Go out there, cats. Show a little heart. Show a little resolve, as Mark Stoops likes to say. Maybe maybe a little Thanksgiving turkey will do them some good. Um, but we've obviously got a lot more time to discuss this. We appreciate you all joining us this week on the KSR Football Podcast. Um, we'll be back with 11 personnel. If we don't see you again, though, have a happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully it's even happier when the Cats take on the cards this Saturday, 12 noon on ABC at Cardinal Stadium. For Adam Luckett and Drew Franklin, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Krogering. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.